I've actually got to start with this little story um, that just happened this morning as I pulled up into the car park. This is absolutely brilliant. Um, so as, as Kiran said, the senior pastors here are Matt and Jacinda. And as I pulled up, I got this text from Matt going, go well, mate. You guys are such a gift to Coast Vineyard. My reply, am I on today? <laughs> long silence, long silence, like long and I'm waiting, I thought, yeah, I thought, if I play this out, he might turn up here. He might turn up in a real flurry. I think he knows me well enough to know that it's in safe hands. Well, not safe hands, that would be way overstating the fact. You guys, you're in my hands for whatever that's worth. Um, so my name's Phil, thanks for the introduction, Kieran. Uh, the thing about bringing words of wisdom and insight, well, um, God bless you. That's um, uh, no, no, uh, no high bar for me to pass, but I'll, I'll do my best to live up to those, uh, those words of encouragement. I'm, uh, I'm married, uh, I've got three children, I've got one wife, um, uh, I've been married for 27 years, coming up in March of, of this year, and um, it, it, look, she's a saint, it's nothing to do with me, she's, that woman deserves a medal, um, my beautiful, beautiful wife Nikki and our three children, uh, we've been on a lot of adventures in life, and what I wanted to uh, kick off with today I suppose is a few stories in my life, and I suppose a little bit about um, I guess how we've, we've journeyed, and uh, what we've discovered along the way. We've got um, a lifetime's worth of stories about God's faithfulness. And I can absolutely attest to God's goodness and faithfulness in good time and bad, hard season and easy. God is always good. Uh, when we were uh, newly married, Nikki and I uh, shot off to the UK, as many uh, young Kiwis do. We travelled Europe. We settled uh, in a town called Reading, just outside of London. Both got jobs, both got great jobs actually. I ended up working for Thames Water uh, on the London Water Ring Main, massive job, one of the biggest in the world at the time, a big tunnelling project under, uh, under London. I'm a civil engineer by training. I should add that in case you thought, what are they doing letting him loose on tunnels under London? I, I d- didn't know much then, I probably don't know much now, but anyway, there I was tunnelling under London. And uh, life was good. Life was really good. Uh, we were earning well. Nikki had a great job uh, in her uh, chosen area. She's a, an occupational therapist. She loves kids. And she was working in Basingstoke, just nearby, in uh, pediatric occupational therapy. Life was good. Money was coming in. Uh, we'd never had it so good. However, about two or three years in, uh, we started to, um, I don't know, we, we, we had an inkling. We had a little hunch, had a nudge, I suppose, that maybe there was something we should be doing that uh, was going to be uncomfortable. Maybe we should be doing uh, a bit of study. Maybe I should be doing some study. And uh, we felt prompted to have a look at uh, a course that uh, took civil engineering and applied it to the developing world. And England, funnily enough, being a cold country, is one of the world centres of excellence in this kind of particular area. And we started to pray about it and think about it. We thought, gee, this is going to be a heck of a sacrifice. I mean, we're, we're doing well. We're, in fact, we're doing really well. If, if we'd stayed in our jobs for another year or so, I'm just in my mid to late 20s at this stage, uh, the pound was trading at about $3 to the, to the pound at the time. Uh, we were on good incomes, and we could see ourselves coming home and actually buying a house, if not outright, then a good chunk of a home just in my late 20s, which would have been uh, you know, incredible. However, this sense, if you like, of God's prompting was, uh, was compelling. And so we started to pray into it. We started to really dig in. And um, I was uh, out many nights uh, in Reading, walking around the streets, praying, asking God for his leading on this. We were talking to friends. We were seeking counsel. And somewhere along the way, and it kind of snuck up on me really because I didn't quite see it coming, is uh, the, the, uh, the emphasis, the shift happened where uh, we were kind of still seeking God's leading. We're trying to say, well, is this the right thing? And actually, he'd already said this was the right thing. But, you know, when you kind of, 
you know it's what you meant to do, but you don't, you don't really want to do it because you've kind of got friends and a life and everything's sweet and tickety-boo and that's going to be hard and uncertain and oh, who knows. Furthermore, compounded by the fact this course uh, was going to cost £30,000. Now, I said we were doing well. We weren't doing quite that well. <laughs> we, were, we were all right. We had our life savings. We had £9,000 in the bank at this stage, so about $27,000 New Zealand dollars, and the course is about 90000 So we were just about a third of the way there. So it was going to take a miracle. It was going to take a miracle. But we thought, well, you know what? Um, rather obey and, uh, and fall on our face than, um, than wonder what if, than go to our grave with regrets about what might have been if only we'd had a go. So we uh, screwed up our courage. We uh, handed in our notice, and we set uh, our face toward a town called Loughborough uh, in the UK. And Loughborough had this particular course that uh, looked absolutely perfect, dead centre, absolutely what I wanted. Uh, we went up to Loughborough. Nikki had a few interviews, I think, for jobs that was coming together. We found a place to live. We were kind of like on our way. And we still didn't have the money. So the money was not there, and this was going to be a crisis if we couldn't get, fix this money issue. So we kept praying about it, and about two weeks out from us going, so we're locked and loaded now. We're locked and loaded. You know, the movers are booked. It's all go. And about two weeks out, uh, we're at home one night. forget what we were doing, but the phone rang. Pick up the phone, say, hi, it's Phil here. And a gentleman on the other end, a Scottish gentleman, both by accent and by, um, uh, by announcement, uh, uh, introduced himself. I forget his name now. And he, he was with Oxfam, which is a, an organisation that works in the developing world. And he said, um, here you're going to do some study. You're going to do some study in, in this particular field of engineering. And I didn't know who he was. I didn't know how he'd got my name. I didn't know why he'd called. But the conversation kind of rolled for about, excuse me, for 10 or 15 minutes. And he um, urged me, urged me to consider another course. He said, you've got to consider this course in Leeds. He said, it's far better for these reasons, A, B, C, X, Y, Z. And um, you've got to consider it. It was still £30,000. It was no different. It was still an expensive course. And uh, we ended the call, maybe it was 15 minutes long, I put the phone down and I was you know, a little bit bemused, if you know what I mean, it's quite unexpected, this guy's called me on a subject that's dear to my heart and very topical at the moment for the family, talk to Nikki, we pray about it, and in the end we switch gears, we change and we pivot and we say, right, that's, maybe that's God's leading, we're going to take a punt, we're going to go to Leeds. So now, now we don't have the money, Nikki doesn't have a job and we have nowhere to stay and we're going to Leeds. So, um, so things have gone from challenging to more challenging. And, uh, uh, and the way it worked, what with our jobs finishing and the timing of the start of the new semester and all the rest of it, I got there a week early. And um, I'm, in the, I'm in the line. I'm in the line to uh, pay the fees, the enrolment line. And um, I'm getting the script worked out in my head. I'm working out, what am I going to say when I get to the front? Because I haven't got the money. She's going to say to me, £30,000, please. And I've got to have a script. I've got to have something. So in my head, I'm going, all right, I've got enough for term one. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, I've got term one, and we'll work out the rest when we get there. And I thought, and that gives God, that buys God a month, of, you know, a term. So, you know, I'm good like that. I'm kind of helping God out. Um, and so he's going to have to figure it out. So I get to the front of the queue, and there I am, script in my head, waiting for the lady to say, 30,000 pounds, please. Only she doesn't. She looks up at me and says, oh, Mr. Bull, 9,000 pounds, please. And I said, well, that, that, that can't be right. I said, you know, I've got got the fees table and I show you I'm an international student here's the fees 30,000 pounds and she's no 9,000 pounds please so we have an argument oh, <laughs> oh, I'm saying it's 30,000 pounds she's saying it's 9,000 pounds I'm saying 30 she's saying nine she gets exasperated and she goes do you want to enroll or not I said, well yes I do she said 9,000 pounds please 
So I write the cheque out. Those are the days you had cheques. Wrote the cheque out, handed over my $9,000. Now, £9,000. Now, in, in, the, um, in the run-up to this, the other thing I'd done, in the days they had not just cheques, but they had envelopes, letters and stamps. And I had, um, I had written applications for scholarships, hundreds of them. Well, let's say 100. I've just put 100 applications out, and I've got back 99 uh, either no replies or uh, I'm sorry replies. And one reply had come in, and it, uh, I'd uh, picked up a £500 uh, scholarship. And one thing I'd wanted uh, as part of going to university, in the days that PCs were not ubiquitous, were not commonplace, uh, I'd, I'd wanted a PC so I could do my assignments uh, in, in WordPerfect, in, in a word processing package. And uh, the way it worked out, I had my £9,000 to enroll, and I, I'd written that off. That was just a, a bridge too far. I knew we were so short of money, there was no way I'd be able to have a computer. With the £500 I'd left over, I had a PC as well. Nikki got a job in Bradford, a little town or a big town, quite near Leeds. We got a place to stay and we settled into what was a wonderful, wonderful year. Now the reason I share that story is it's got kind of elements of, um, I suppose, of, of um, faithful, God's faithfulness and, uh, and illustrations, I suppose, of our roles in allowing God to be faithful in our life. Faithfulness um, works a little bit both ways, us exercising faith. And faith, it's a, it's a Christian kind of word. Well, it's a very Christian word, although you, know, you hear it in other contexts. But really, it's courage. It's, it's stepping out. It's actually, you, you hear the phrase, uh, seeing is believing. I can tell you, in the Christian walk, believing is seeing. It's the other way around. You can't see. You can't know what God knows. You can't know what's ahead. You don't know what, I don't know what the next five minutes hold. I don't know what's tomorrow. I don't know what's next month. I don't have dreams and plans. But at the end, I don't actually know how anything's going to work out. I've just got to turn up. I do not know the plan, but I do know the plan maker. And in that, I can put a great deal of faith. I can trust him to do what is good for me. So God is very good, and he can be trusted. And I need some notes before I start rambling. Oh, you guys are so good to me. So good to me. Fantastic. I'm probably way off track already. Um, so the point is, look, stepping out is a very small part of the equation. When you think about it, God does all the heavy lifting. God does all the heavy lifting. He does the sunshine, the rainfall, the harvest. He does all of that stuff. All we've got to do is go out and scatter seed. That's all we've got to do. We've just got to turn up and do our little bit. And in the process, and Lord knows why. I mean, well, he does know why. <laughs> I don't know why he uses us. You think it would be so much easier, wouldn't it, for him to kind of get stuff done without us in the mix? But he does, he does, he uses us because he loves us and in the process of working through us, of letting us stretch our faith in really the smallest of ways sometimes, he um, opens our hearts and minds to, um, to a, a world and an adventure that we couldn't even begin to dream of. And the reason we can't dream of it is because we're limited by our own, uh, own experiences. We're limited by what we know. We, we can't know what we don't know. He knows that stuff. He knows us better than we know, know ourselves. And what's over the line only makes sense to us and gives us joy once we're in it. And we look back and go, this is brilliant. I wish I'd thought of this. So look, my, my, the three points I want to make here. First one is uh, make choices to obey. God desires obedience more than sacrifice. All he wants is your heart. But the Bible talks about being shaped into the image of Christ. I can tell you, that shaping isn't always comfortable. That was not comfortable for us. We gave up comfort, actually, for, for that step. But God has always met us, always met us on the other side. And we've had adventure. Sometimes it's been difficult. Sometimes it's been easy. But all the way through, 
we've enjoyed God's presence and blessing in our life and we've been um, thrilled with it. You'd think we'd be more faithful now, but I can tell you we're going through one right now. We, this is a story of 20-odd years ago. We go through every year we've got little adventures ahead and every time it's a challenge. You're going, oh my gosh, we've got to give up this to do this. But it's, um, but it's good. The other thing I want to tell you, and maybe we could flick up that first of a scripture, is that God made you. I know this is kind of you know, Christianity 101, um, but God made you. So in Ephesians, it says there, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption, to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In Jeremiah 1.5, well known to us all, speaking to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God made you. And he knows, he knows stuff. We don't know a lot, frankly. But with that said, God uh, brings us into his plans and illuminates our minds and hearts. The Bible says the Holy Spirit leads you into truth and all understanding. He freely invites us in to understand and participate in the plan, but not, we don't know the plan. Look, even Jesus didn't know all the plans. Do you remember that bit with the apostles? Um, they wanted, they were talking about the end days. You know, they're talking about the end of times, and they asked him a question about when it will be. And he said, no one knows that. Even Jesus said, no one knows that. Not, not me, not the angels in heaven, not the Holy Spirit. Only the Father knows that stuff. So, you know, if Jesus didn't know it all, like, we could run a long way back from that. You know, we've, we've, we've got to participate through faith in the plan and in the trust that God does know what he's doing. So God has good things for you. He knows you. He made you. He's got good things for you. And in that, you can trust. And um, if you let him uh, and, in and you, and you trust him to take those steps, you will marvel. You'll be amazed at the transformation that takes place in your life as you act out your faith, as it moves from kind of an academic faith into a practical faith, in whatever way that may be, you will be amazed, you'll be astounded at the uh, transformation in your life. And I can only speak from the experience we've had. I look back, I look back I'll share you a story shortly on some of the uh, zealous uh, activity I got involved in early in my Christian faith. And it was kind of, a lot of it was dumb, really, just dumb stuff. You couldn't fault me for enthusiasm, but I kind of didn't know my arm from my elbow, really. I, just, I was just doing what I felt was right. But God is good in the mix of it, and I grew. I look back and I go, amazing, like it's a different person, but there we go. So, um, have I got that? Is Jeremiah there? Oh, there, there we go. Oh, the next, just throw the next one up. There we go. So look, it's not, a, it's not a secret. It's not like he's trying to hold out on us. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And in Ephesians 1.11, let's see check I'm going here. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and everyone. So, so what I'll... What I want to encourage you about, those two steps, if you like, there's kind of two bits to it. One is hearing, and I haven't got a lot of time today, so I won't be able to talk at length about how you hear from God, um, and I've only got my own experience and education and learnings over life to, to, to do that, but I want to talk about the action bit, about the kind of the stepping over the line. I will touch very briefly on hearing from God, uh, because obviously it's an it's a imperative first step. Don't act, <laughs> don't chuck the job in, and don't, <laughs> don't do stuff without knowing that God is speaking. And that's actually quite a trick. I know that sounds easy, and some people seem to get it so easy. Um, most of the time, it's pretty hard. However, I will open the door 
to the fact that um, God will and can do whatever he likes. He may well speak to you supernaturally. And I've had that twice in my life where God has absolutely intervened in a dramatic supernatural way in my life, usually because I just wasn't getting it, you know, because God was speaking and then he, he just has to step in because I'm just being a buffhead. But he, 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 he intervenes and he will get stuff done. He used uh, a donkey to speak to Balaam. He spoke in the whisper of a quiet wind to Elijah. He spoke uh, to uh, uh, John the Baptist out of the sky uh, and a burning bush to Moses. Look, even Jesus is on record as when the Pharisees were criticizing him, saying, um, criticizing his uh, followers, his, his disciples, and saying they're making a lot of racket as they were welcoming the Messiah into Jerusalem. And he said, I tell you this, if they don't cry out, then the stones themselves will cry out. So God is more than able to intervene supernaturally and be open to it. It'll be, uh, it's a wonderful experience when it does happen. However, it's fair to say, certainly in my life, and it probably just reflects kind of my spiritual lack of stature, really, but the, um, God, you know, more conventionally, typically, God will speak in um, far less dramatic ways to us. But here's, here's, the, here's the hint, here's the tip, the thing I've learned, is God is not a God of chaos. He's a God of order. And so when God speaks, it may start off as a rumbly tummy. Maybe something, you know, it could be just a bit of a hunch. You might be at a church service, you might be out with a mate or watching a movie, and, you know, something, just something grabs your heart. Just click. Something in you responds or resonates with something you've just heard or just thought of. Now, that could be God. It could be the pizza you just ate. It could could be nothing. But this is what I do anyway. For what it's worth, this is what I do. I get something like that, and I just tuck it away in the back of my mind. I go... That was pretty interesting. And I'll start to pray about it a little bit. Um, and I'll look for God to consistently corroborate the message. He will bring reinforcement to the message. And so what he will do is, um, you know, you've got this little hunch, this thing going on in your head, going, oh, you know, I wonder what that is. And then you will be at church, and the sermon will be on some unrelated subject, and the throwaway line will absolutely pick up on this thought, thought you just had earlier in the week. Or you'll be um, reading the Bible, picking up, uh, reading a verse you've read a hundred times before, but this time, it leaps out because it's got relevancy, it's got context that it's never had for you before. And you just go, that's weird. How freaky is that? What are the odds? Fluky. But what it is, it's usually God starting to speak. And start looking for this corroboration. And evidence will build. I had this one. Um, <laughs> so about 17 years ago, I was again in a very cushy number. I've, gosh, I've kind of had these cushy numbers in life and then I keep walking away from them. Um, so I was in a corporate job here in Auckland. Had a, an office with a view of the harbour, had a company car, international travel, expense accounts, had all of that stuff that you call the trappings. It, it's never as good as it sounds. It sounds good when I say that side of it, but you know the, the work side was pretty horrible. Uh, well, hard, I should say. I loved the company. It was good people. But um, the... Um, what was I saying there? Where did I get to there? <laughs> what was I talking about? God, 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 God. Bit of evidence... Yes, giving up, giving up, giving up good things to make. Oh, right. So we, so we, um, there we were. We were um, in, a, in a cushy number and uh, felt prompted to step into uh, into a business of our own. And there was no good reason for it. We had a young son at that stage. We had a mortgage. Uh, everything was against us. But the, um, but the, that's what I was going to say. The way God speaks. So as we went looking to see whether this is just the pizza or whether it was God speaking. One of the things that happened, there was a multiple of these, one of these things. I was at a prayer meeting at church, and this guy who has a bit of a prophetic gift, you know, he kind of brings the words, he just walks up to me like this, he goes, he goes go, 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 go. 
<laughs> so I kind of get that and go, all right, tuck that away. And that was with no context. He didn't know what we were thinking about. That was just something that he just felt to kind of um, to uh, share with me <laughs> in this pre-meeting. So needless to say, it fed into, it fed into the kind of the um, body of evidence we were looking to build it, whether God was speaking. And we stepped out. And look, just touching on that while I'm there, oh my gosh, I'm so going to run out of time. Um, just touching on that, when I talked before about not knowing what you don't know, I didn't know anything about business before I got into it. Now I'm virtually unemployable. I couldn't go back and work for anyone else. I love it. I've been here 17 years. I'm in business. It's what I'm made for. It's what God had for me. I I just couldn't know it. I had no experience. My dad was a salaried man. I'd grown up with professionals and salaried people. I didn't know anything about business. Um, And I I couldn't have known. I couldn't even begin to dream about it because I had no context. God knew. He's made me. He's built me. And he had something for me. And it was stepping over the line. And now looking back, I go, oh, my gosh, you know, what a no-brainer. Absolutely fantastic. But it took, took a little bit of courage, me and Nikki, to step over the line into something we didn't know. And it took God's leading and God's faithfulness. I tell you, he has been there on the other side. We've never gone without, even when we've stepped into very difficult and stretching circumstances. Right, well, I'm going to talk about making decisions. I've got six minutes left, so buckle in. It's going to be a fire hose. Um, Can you flick up that first slide? There we go. Brilliant. We've probably all seen this one before. Um, How many legs has the elephant got? Four, five, three, one. No one's sure, right? Okay. All right, no one is sure. Yeah, it's pretty hard to say. Probably probably four, but kind of four in halves and bits. So four four legs. Uh, Next slide, please. All right, two tables. Which table is the longer? Who thinks the one on the left is the is the longer of the two tables? Okay, okay, okay. A handful. Okay, maybe maybe a third of you. Who thinks the table on the left is the longer table? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> on the right, on this one, this side. Who thinks the one on this side is the longer t- table? Okay, so a few. Who thinks they're the same length? Okay, about maybe a, maybe twenty percent of you. Those tables are exactly the same length. Those are exactly the same tables. So things are not always what they seem. Um, next slide. Two circles. All right. Who thinks the circle on the left is the bigger of the two circles? So you're getting wise to me now. Wise to me. Who thinks the table on the the circle on the right is the bigger of the two? No takers. It, look, it looks bigger. Thank you. Oh, yeah, good on you. Go, girl. That's right. Humor me. Who thinks they're the same size? All right. Okay. You, you're on to me. They are the same size. So things are not what they seem. Next um slide. All right. Who has seen this movie? And shame on you if you haven't seen this movie. Shame on you if you haven't seen this movie. Okay, so everyone's seen this movie. Okay. Now listen, this is a 1999 movie, so I'm going to totally spoil the plot. If you haven't seen it by now, firstly, shame on you. Second, uh, too bad. I'm going to tell you what happens. So um, the, the hero of the story is a guy called Neo, played by Keanu Reeves. He's a bit of an IT geek in the movie. And he hooks up with some, um, some adventurers. And they tell him that the world he lives in, this world, he said, this world is a complete computer simulation. The world has actually been captured by robots. The human race has been enslaved, and our brains have been stimulated with sense and smell and light and sound. And so we think we're in this world, but we're not actually in this world. Needless to say, Neo goes on to save the world and liberate us all from the machines. Why that's an interesting kind of 
movie, it touches on this thing that the world is not as it seems. And what I want to tell you a little bit uh, to help you in taking action when you're faced with that kind of indecision where you kind of really do know God's speaking and you've either got to do something about it or not, is be of good courage. Be of good courage. The world is not what it seems. The world is not what it seems. The Bible says that in the very end, heaven and earth will be thrown up like, rolled up like an old cloak and thrown in the fire. Only my words will remain. The, the, most, the only thing you can place your trust in are the promises of God. He is absolutely faithful. When he says, if you seek me, you will find me, it's true. When he says, if you knock, I will answer. He says, if you seek, you will find. If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Those promises are absolutely true. They're absolutely faithful. Most of the things we place our faith in, or can, because you guys are far better Christians than me, and you probably don't do this at all. I'm probably just talking to myself here. The things that we do get caught up in are things like uh, security in our jobs, security in our bank balance, uh, our health, our relationships, and we all know that that stuff is not faithful. Jobs go bank balances fail, health suffers, relationships break down. I'm not wishing that on anyone. I'm just saying that's, it's, it's not stuff you can absolutely depend on. The only thing you can depend on is God's utter and total faithfulness to honor his promises to you. And as, um, as you consider those things and you look at this sort of this stuff around us, in the end, this stuff's not eternal. It's, I mean, it's, it's overwhelming in terms, of, um, in terms of our senses. We are bombarded with... Uh, messages about security and insurance and security in our jobs and security in our girlfriends and boyfriends and if I just have this job or if I'm just friends with this person then everything's going to be okay. It's not true. It's a lie. It's not true. Your only security will come in, um, in God. Now don't, don't mishear me. There's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. I, I'm not, I've got no message about you know, uh, not enjoying the good things and blessings that we have in life. Um, but in the end, they, are, uh, they will let you down. They are not, uh, not dependable. I have got a couple more really cool stories about God doing cool stuff, and I'm totally out of time. Um, just... I wonder if I can just squeeze one in. Can I, can I squeeze one in? I've got to squeeze one story in. One squeeze story. Um, I'm not sure if I should give you a recent one or an old one. I'll give you an old one. Um, okay, this is a story a little bit about... Um, a little bit about God's faithfulness, even when you stuff up, even when you get it wrong. And I touched on it just at the beginning there. So this was, this was a long time ago, actually. This is pre-marriage. So this is in my early 20s. Um, I'd graduated from University of Auckland. I was in my first job. And I'd been there about nine months. And I had one of those things, one of those you know, pizza moments, you know, where you kind of think, oh, that's God. And um, I, I had this conviction that I needed to go to the Philippines. I didn't know anyone in the Philippines, didn't know anything about the Philippines. But I just knew that God wanted me to go to the Philippines, and I was absolutely uh, convicted in my heart of this. And overnight, I decided, that's it, I'm going to the Philippines. So I didn't, the stuff I told you you need to do, didn't do any of that. I just kind of went with my gut. And um, I had a plan. plan was to turn up to work the next day, tell my boss I needed a month off. And the second plan, the backup plan, as if he said no, was to quit. So dramatic stuff. I mean, you, full marks for, 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 for zealousness. Um, you know, low marks for stupidity, but there we go. Um, so I walked in, bless his heart, he was comfortable. He said, that's fine, take a month off. And so I booked uh, the month of January off, and this was just in the run-up to Christmas 1988, 89, no, 1989. And um, I, uh, I started to ring around trying to get tickets to go to the Philippines. Anyway, blow me down, 
you cannot get tickets for love or money at that time of year to go to the Philippines. I mean, you cannot get tickets. I rang everywhere to get tickets. And I thought, well, a little bit like our university story, God will provide, was my thinking. I thought, okay, can't get tickets, but God's bigger than the airlines. He's going to sort this out for me. Um, so on Christmas Eve, uh, the office had just closed. I drove out to the airport. I can't have driven because I, I would have been flying out. So I must have caught the bus out to the airport. And I went up to the counter in the morning and said to the man there, I said, hey, look, um, I've got to go to the Philippines. Have you got a ticket for me? And he said, um, uh, you've got to be kidding. You've got to have rocks in your head. There's no way you can get tickets to the Philippines at the time. And I said, no, no, God will provide. I'm going to just sit over there. And when my tickets turn up, come and get me. And so, um, so I went and sat down at the airport. And uh, morning turned into lunch, turned into afternoon, turned into dinner, turned into the evening. The lights went out. <laughs> the cleaners came through. And I got chucked out. And um, I had to make my way back to my flat. Now, this is a flat um, of, a, of a bunch of lads, and uh, they've all gone. They've all gone home for Christmas. So I'm in the flat, alone, on Christmas Eve, feeling very sorry for myself. And um, I kid you not, <laughs> there I am, pretty, pretty disconsolate. There's a knock at the door. There's a knock at the door. I open the door, and there's a guy I've never met before in my life. And he goes, hi, I'm Dave Craig. I hear you're going to the Philippines. And I, I said, <laughs> Dave and I have gone on to become great friends, and um, he's a wonderful, wonderful guy. The long and short of it was he and a bunch of friends had a plan to go to the Philippines. I was a year out of sync. They were going the following year. So um, we went to the Philippines the following year. We ended up doing some fantastic work in Smoky Mountain at the time, a community of 10,000 people living in a rubbish dump. Did some work with refugees. Did some really cool stuff. Loved it to bits. I was completely out of sync. I hadn't really kind of got my together. I had to go back and eat humble pie, of course, back at work, because I was back about three weeks early. Um, my point being is, God, you can't go wrong stepping out. God is a redemptive God. When you go left, when you're meant to go right, God will still come in and rescue you and do good things with your decisions. You cannot go wrong. God will bless you, and he wants good things for you.